The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome into it. It's Monday. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and you open phones for reaction, feedback, and thoughts on Purdue and beyond, right? Bye week this week and a meat grinder of Big 12 slash Big 10, not 12, forgive me. My, my eyes were wandering until kickoff, but Big 10 action. Uh, throughout, right? You have all sorts of scenarios set up with how the season's going to shake out for Nebraska. Uh, can dial us up, get in touch at 466 3776, 466 3776, 800 825 5865. That was a bad false start, forgive me. Stream us, connect with us that way as well. We're streaming on ESPN, Lincoln, Facebook, and Twitter. And also the Hale Varsity Twitter page. You can check in on that handle for Hale Varsity Radio. Give the show a follow at HVarsity Radio. Give me a follow, Chris Schmidt at Schmidt underscore radio, or Elijah Herbal at Herbal Essence. He is uh, rocking his division championship Denver sweatshirt you see there. It is for good luck tonight. May God have mercy on your soul. But what a, what a ball game Saturday night in West Lafayette, Nebraska was was somehow there, right? If they could have <clears throat> gotten a stop, gotten the ball back, and thrown it deep to Trey Palmer one more time, maybe you escape with the win. But uh, a, a lot to discuss here as Illinois looms and Michigan looms and Minnesota and Iowa, Wisconsin. I mean, all those games uh, sound and seem really tough right now. All those games sound and seem... Kind of doable with Michigan out of the equation because of some of the playmakers you have at Nebraska. The other side of that coin is what you have, Elijah, rushing and defending the rush. And that was exploited heavily by Purdue to the tune of over 200 yards by a walk-on. But we can dive in. Really good uh, column by Brandon Vogel in the upcoming Hale Varsity Magazine issue that is now at print. And uh, we, we t- touched on it with him. And a lot of us grew up after school watching Chicago Cub games, right? Harry Carey, Steve Stone. And there'd always be somebody in, I think it was either down the third baseline or the first baseline. I think it was the third baseline, the Sean Dunstan, Sean, Seanometer, right? What's Sean's batting average at on August 8th? Uh, 1991. John's probably about 268, right? 
throws 90 miles per hour over to Mark Grace. Mark Grace hates him. And away you go to Harry singing the seventh inning stretch. Well, the Mickey-O-Meter is, is something I want to get into. And, and that's something we took with us on, on Saturday night with our Real Red Reaction show. We do it here locally in Lincoln. And lots of feedback from people, as you'd imagine. And first and foremost, Elijah, the, the tone and tenor, it wasn't anger. I mean, people weren't happy Nebraska lost. People weren't happy Nebraska lost another tight ball game. But there was more, I think, a little bit of astonishment that Nebraska was still in it, still within striking distance. And a lot of that credit went to Mickey Joseph and, of course, the guys, some of the playmakers that that kept Nebraska in it, despite all of the imperfections, the rushing yardage allowed, the inability to run the football you still had a big play capability that nebraska went to again and again and nebraska just still has minimal margin for error you saw that uh in the end zone to alante brown you saw a couple of interceptions two turnovers turn into 10 points or nine points with the missed extra point there's your difference in a uh, in a six-point ball game right for nebraska you almost got to play perfect still and, and that's, that's a tough ask. Uh, but with Mickey, more and more Nebraska fans at this point, four games into the Mickey era, two and two, they're ready to say, dude, this is our guy. Let's get him locked up. And, and we want Mickey as the head guy. So I'm going to ask you, with Saturday night, did, did Saturday night's effort and result do more for you as a Nebraska fan with the, the pro-Mickey chant, or did it – deter a little bit because it was it was it was another loss right because you look at all these names that have been bantied about in the coaching search those names attached to nebraska and nebraska fans have a take on campbell or leipold or rule or o'brien you pick a name and there's a yay or a nay you'll hear all sorts of yes or no on on why you do or don't like this candidate and and right now uh at least the vocal minority chant is mickey's shown enough through four let's go ahead and give it to him i'm not there yet but i think it's remarkable with what he's done elijah and it's impressive that this team is showing fight you're supposed to get it but it's easier said than done uh with all the kids that they've been through he's getting them motivated he's getting them ready he has shown something that nebraska has lacked for years and that is that is leadership and you're supposed to be that and have that as a head coach. You are. But it's not always the case. Some are better at it than others. Mickey's shown to be a, a, a bona fide leader and motivator and, and obviously talent acquirer. I mean, all those things to me are yeses. Check the box next to Mickey's name as to what what pros he has right now. And he said it, five-game season left, man. You go three and two, you get to a bowl game, real conversation. We don't know what Trev's list looks like here during the bye week on the 17th of October. We don't know phone calls made. We don't know conversations had. We don't know agents discussed. We, we don't know where things are at other than the full support right now for everybody that loves Nebraska football is behind Mickey here and now. But post-Iowa, where are you at? And that's, that's a lot of football yet to be played. But I think Nebraska 
has uh, has the right guy leading them right now. Time will tell if he's the light if he's the right guy for for a, a multi year deal and a guy that is the head coach, the the rare guy that goes from interim to head coach. But as far as Saturday night goes, Nebraska, I mean, it looked bad. It looked ugly. 27 to 10, you're down. Nebraska finds a way to get three before half and comes out and scores to uh, to erase that that 17-point deficit. And then you're continually chasing points, Elijah, because you can't get stops. And it just continues to rear its ugly head here. Uh, recruiting misses. Issues with development and depth. And can that somehow get duct taped and bailing wired uh, as this stretch that's going to be very real? It was a tough ball game to watch Nebraska defensively when it comes to yards allowed, when it comes to first down yards allowed. But it was a really tough game to watch a non-running team look like Wisconsin look like Illinois, look like Minnesota. And guess what? All those run first, second, and third teams are still on the horizon. <laughs> and I, those rushing lanes were opened, I think. Uh, and I, I want to get Jay Moore's take on this as well, as we're going to have him on the show just a little bit later. But it, it seemed to be to be more of Nebraska's respect for, for Purdue's passing game was so great that it, it allowed some open run lanes. Nebraska wasn't able to, to put a, a couple extra hats into the box, and therefore... Uh, Purdue was able to to out physical Nebraska's defensive line just a little bit and wear on them. I mean, 101 offensive snaps for Purdue took its toll, and it, it just seemed to me that that Nebraska was picking its poison and picking Purdue's run game as uh, the, the way that they wanted to get beaten. That is how they got beat. Uh, Nebraska seemed to, to turn a bit of a corner in the second half defensively. They did a little bit better. I, I said during our halftime update that mm-hmm. they could really only uh, go out and afford to give up seven more points, and if they had done that, they would have won the football game. Uh, but Purdue puts up 14 or 13 in the second half. How, how, many, how many Was it 13, 14? I'm off of my number there. It was 27 to 13 at half. They won 43. So it was six, six, 16 points, two touchdowns, and a field goal minus mm-hmm. the extra point. There yeah. it is. 16 points as opposed to seven is what they gave up. If they gave up seven, they would have won the football game. But that's that's not the here and now. That's really not the, all that important of a talking point because a loss is a loss for this Husker football team. And where I think they lost, it was on along the lines of scrimmage. And we can talk all we want about Mickey Joseph's ability to, to bring in effort and intensity to this football team. Um, I think that's... 100% a positive that Mickey Joseph is able to bring that after what we haven't seen over the past four years. But when you look around the, the rest of the Big Ten West, effort and intensity isn't a problem for a single one or uh, a single another one of these football teams in the Big Ten West. That's the bare minimum for playing in the Big Ten West. That's the bare minimum for playing college football. And uh, I guess we'll see what Mickey Joseph can get cleaned up in a bye week because after that Purdue game, there is a lot to be cleaned up. Because I, I said it in the postgame show, and I'll say it again for our, our listeners that are listening in from across the state or those who check out the podcast form didn't hear the postgame show. I'll say it again. Nebraska was outplayed by 21 of 22 players in the football field out there. Trey Palmer was the only guy that I saw from Nebraska that that was going out there and beating Purdue. Purdue's defensive line was beating Nebraska's offensive line. Purdue's offensive line was beating Nebraska's defensive line. Purdue's wide receivers were beating the secondary. Purdue's rushing game was beating both the D-line and the linebackers. Uh... I mean, all across the board, Purdue went and outplayed Nebraska. It's a testament to Nebraska how much they fought that they only went and lost that game by six points. That's a testament to Nebraska. But other than that, I mean, the, the score was very 
it was very complimentary towards Nebraska. Purdue could have realistically gone and won that football game by 14 or 21 points if it wasn't for one singular guy in Trey Palmer. So I, I don't have... Thanks, Mickey. I don't... I don't for yeah, him true, out of LSU bringing him up here. I don't have that many positives <laughs> to, be, to be taken away from this game. It is the same problems that we've seen from Nebraska for years and years now rearing their ugly head. And it, it starts along the lines of scrimmage. And I, I don't want to talk about... Mickey's long-term outlook here on a Monday because I don't think that's where Trev's head at. I don't think that's where Mickey's head's at. I don't think that's where the Nebraska Athletic Department is at after this game against Purdue, but I'll bring it up briefly. Mickey is not a guy who has proven that he can go build lines of scrimmage, and and that's no fault of his own. That hasn't been a role he's been placed in, but that's the simplest way that Nebraska is going to become relevant in college football again is by building up the offensive line and the defensive line and trusting that that will take you far in the Big Ten West. That's how Nebraska gets there, and, and that's what Nebraska needs in their next head coach. And if Mickey is that guy, um, then, I, then I fully trust Trev to make that decision. But that's what it's going to take for Nebraska to, to, to reclaim their top their, their place atop the Big Ten West. Here's what I believe. I think Mickey, to, to go a little with you on what's Mickey's strengths, where's Mickey lacking, I think Mickey probably knows a few dudes that can build up a line of scrimmage. Offense or defensive line. Jeff chimes in. Loved watching the football game. I was proud of the team and the staff after. I love Mickey. I felt we had a chance to win the game. The third quarter let me down some, but uh, time to get ready for Illinois. Matt says, I think uh, if we can get solid line play on both sides for the future, we'll be in good shape. And Matt, totally agree with you. Also agree with you, Jeff. I mean, that's, that's your deficiency right now. And you can't hide on the line of scrimmage if they're gonna if Illinois is gonna line up and 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 go double tight jumbo and just play rugby with you. Good luck, God bless, because you couldn't stop Purdue and and they're back. And again, I'm throwing shade at them, and that's I don't mean to sound like that, but but Brown and Illinois' O line, and then on the other side of the football. Casey Thompson, God love him, man. He he wasn't perfect, but he's a he's a hell of a, a competitor. I love that he hangs in and, and gives you a chance throwing the football. Illinois guys are eating raw meat. They they are they are a fierce defensive line. They're a great linebacking core. There's a bunch of dudes at Lovey, always recruited physical folks, and and they've stayed. And Bielema knows how to win in the Big Ten. And I know we're two weeks out, but oh. You know, it's it's a prime time. I mean, ABC's picking this thing up at two thirty. It's it's the afternoon game. Well, ABC or maybe ESPN. Either way, it's it's a showcase, mm-hmm. and you don't want to get put out like a marble red, you know, and just fold in the fourth quarter because you cannot physically take any more body blows. So, and, and we'll get to Illinois a little bit more, and I'll have more takes on this as we get closer to the game. But Nebraska's offense is a lot different than what Illinois has seen so far this season. I think Nebraska's offense might actually be the best position in the Big Ten West to go beat Illinois if they can keep Casey Thompson protected, but that's probably a conversation for another day. Illinois it loves is. cover one, and Nebraska is a certified cover one beater in Trey Palmer. Sure. So we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later, but we want to get to the phone lines here before yep. we get out. we got Chris on the line. Chris, thanks for calling. Go ahead, bud. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Great show. I, you know, our special teams continue to to win mm-hmm. every week. That That's kind of the consistent thing because, uh, you know, Casey throws a lot of interceptions and – and, uh, uh, you know, we can't run the ball. And the defense is still – I mean, it's not very good. I mean, when Indiana is not a very good offense, especially without their top two receivers. Um, and Rutgers just is right there with Iowa as the worst offense in the Big Ten. Um, so there's 
not much you could get, you know, from 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 those games. Um, but the special teams uh, have been fantastic, especially uh, the new guy back there returning kicks. Uh, I mean, that was that was fantastic seeing somebody taking it out and and getting to the 30 35 yard line Tommy's Tommy's about to, to Tommy's about to break one you blocked another kick you got 3 points off of that you've started a couple of position, possessions at the 30 or better because of your return game I think you're you're right below 50th in the country so you're not losing games anymore Chris on special teams you were 3 for 3 on field goals I mean that's all positive that's one phase of the game that is keeping you in some of these ball games but, you know, as far as the, the defense, uh, you know, allowing for the pass, I mean, Purdue's not not a, a big throw-down-the-field team. It's not like our, our guys, guys are way off the line of scrimmage. No, they're, they're a dink um, and a dunk. We're up against a break. Yeah, hang hang so, on for me. Hang on for me. Uh, I'll get to more of your calls, more of your emails, thoughts on Nebraska-Purdue. Uh, disappointed or, all right, a little bit more pep in your step because Nebraska was able to at least keep it close. Your child has brain cancer. Can you imagine hearing those words about your own child? Nearly 5,000 families each year hear this life-changing diagnosis and live daily with the fear it brings. When a child is diagnosed with brain cancer, their lives are forever changed. The treatments used to treat children are toxic and cause damage to their developing bodies that can affect them for the rest of their lives. 95% of children who survive brain cancer will develop a significant health condition by the age of 45, as a direct result of the toxic treatments. This includes diagnosis of another cancer later in life or other countless deadly health problems. Our kids are special, and we need to treat them that way. By making a donation to the Team Jack Foundation, you fund research that leads to safer, more effective treatments, giving kids hope. You can be the difference. You can fund the cure. Join us and donate today by visiting teamjackfoundation.org. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hail Varsity, a review Monday. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, were presented by Currency. Get to some of your emails, phone lines for you at 466-3776-800. 825-5865, half full, half empty uh, on the result and performance by Nebraska. And, uh, you know, Mickey, the the case for Mickey as head coach. Uh, did Saturday show you uh, a lot one way or the other? I mean, two and two through four, but uh, they were in position. Now, that's not new. Nebraska's been in position a lot over the years. The difference here is Nebraska's uh, got some playmakers to just outplay the other dude trying to D him up. Palmer was incredible. Casey Thompson wasn't perfect, but was good enough uh, if you can get a stop in, on defense. And Bill Bush has done a good job as, as coordinator. Uh, a tough night for the Nebraska black shirts stopping the run, right? You can't take everything away. But Nebraska had a hard take, hard time taking a lot away down uh, two of their linebackers. And Elijah, I think you're seeing some some depth issues. You're seeing guys that either know what they're doing or have practiced better get the nod over some scholarship guys. And I'm totally fine with that. But you had 18 missed tackles. You had 18 missed tackles. You didn't have many hurries. And uh, 
to Nebraska's credit, at least that opening drive, they got an interception in the end zone, which was wow, right? But you you don't turn those into points uh, to to get a, an extra possession and points, right? It's it's a, a lot of it's complementary football and situational football, and Nebraska did not have much complementing going on. Uh, the defense would get a stop here or there, and then the offense would go get a quick strike, but not enough stops defensively. Not to belabor Saturday night, but if you want to chime in on it, you well, can. I, I think we talked about last week, though, the fact that we were expecting Purdue to be able to move the football. That's, that's what they do. They have probably the best offense in the Big Ten West in terms of their consistency week in, week out, being able to get yards, being able to get points. And we said the way that this defense is going to go out and give your offense a chance to win the football game is by turnovers. And I think you said plus two in the turnover margin. What was the minus number one. Nebraska needed? And you end up minus one. And that's from a Purdue football team that's been notorious this year for turning the ball, football over. Fumbles, interceptions, uh, less so, but but a few interceptions, mostly fumbles. And f- Purdue didn't fumble the ball once in this football game. And I, I don't know, I'm not a believer that that type of thing gets magically fixed in one week based on what Purdue was doing in practice. I don't think that they were doing so many ball control drills that Nebraska was just unable to, to go knock a football out. I, I think it's a, a defense that just isn't great right now at, at being able to go ball hockey and, and, and get the football out. And I don't doubt that that's what Bill Bush emphasized all last week was how we're going to get stops in this Purdue team is by getting them to turn the football over and setting up our offense in a short field. And if Nebraska can do that, they put themselves in a great chance to win. The offense was doing enough. And even though that was simply on the shoulders of Trey Palmer, it doesn't matter. The offense was doing enough. You you couldn't get turnovers throughout the game. And then in crunch time, when it mattered, fourth and one, can't get a stop. Third and 11, can't can't get off the field. You had two great chances. Final drive, third and 11, you can't get off. And you do get a stop, right? They get 10, not 11. But then you got him dead to rights. You have the perfect coverage, and you can't corral Aiden O'Connell, and he falls forward for a first down ball game. You had two great chances on that final drive to get yourself off the field, give your offense a chance to win that football game. And I think that's probably the positive you can take away is the fact that Nebraska was in that football game late despite uh, seemingly everything going wrong on defense. But then that's the negative on the other side is Nebraska couldn't find a way to get off the football field, which has been the story of the past couple of football seasons this year. That Nebraska, whenever it's crunch time, when it's winning time, when, as NFL Red Zone says, it's witching hour and wins turn into losses and losses turn into wins, Nebraska's been unable to step up and make a play. And, and that same story, that same song and dance continued on Saturday night. And that, that's the big negative here is despite the renewed energy, despite the, the renewed intensity from this football team as a whole, despite the fact that they kept fighting till the end, their fight wasn't enough. And that's just the, the same story that we've seen week after week over the past four seasons well and the real question is this and i think there's there's some intrigue there's plenty of interest because of that energy because of the nebraska football team being engaged and in fighting right you want to give your support to those that are going to fight hard and, and nebraska will do that but what's you know the outlook for the rest of the season it would have been a, a, a real nice upset, right? As, as Cousin Eddie said, a real nice surprise. That's, that's what Saturday night would have been if he could have stole one. And the way your defense got bludgeoned, if you would have found a way to get out of Dodge with a win, wow, right? Uh, you, you, you pulled one off against Rutgers that was a bit magical and very ugly. You were the better team in the second half adjustment-wise, 
against Indiana. Purdue just too much juice, and you didn't have uh, a, a chance to, to answer them. Get to your calls here, an email to get into. This is from Chad in Hastings. If people want Mickey Joseph, he's going to have to do something about Whipple and the offense. Again, I know it's difficult to run the ball on these West teams, but Whipple doesn't even make a proper attempt at running the ball. And I think that's a big part of it. Yeah, it worked to throw the ball, but we'll never win against these teams without running the ball and controlling the clock. Got to have more than two running plays uh, going into these games. It's, that, that's that's fair. You need to be able to run the football, but you are putting yourself in dire position on second and nine, third and eight. If you don't get anything, Elijah, right to on, on first down, trying to run it, you got to pick your spots, and you're going to go with what gives you the best chance. And right now, it's throwing the football. It's sad to say. Well, that email just reminds me a lot of, of what Pat Narduzzi said this past offseason about Mark Whipple. And we as Husker fans sat back and went, well, what's Pat Narduzzi complaining what's about? You, you have the best passing attack in the conference. And if your passing attack is working, why does it matter if you can run the football? And I, I get it. I get the importance totally of running the, running the football. But whenever you saw in the first half that the running game did not work worth a damn, and you change it up in the second half and go to a passing attack, which is giving you success. It's allowing you to score points. It's allowing you to stay in that football game. We can't sit back and complain that Nebraska's not running the football. Well, you threw it to Trey again. He was open. Why? No, and I, and I get the, the premise of the email totally totally yeah. do but as do i but th- we're not in a position to complain whenever the husker offense did look who's working <laughs> a- a- that much better in the second half by getting the ball to trey palmer chad they just don't have the horses up front to do it and you got to find something that is going to work Period. for you offensively now if what works for you offensively is solely getting the ball to trey palmer throw the ball to him 15 damn times a game hmm? if that's what gives you the best chance to win turn around hand the ball off five times if you are not getting anything going on the ground. Why keep sticking with it? I understand the premise of, of of body blows, but if your body blows are getting blocked every single time, it's worthless to keep on going to the body. Well, long and short, you, you had the ball for six minutes and you almost won the football game. That's not a good recipe at all, but at least you were able to, to somehow stay in well, it. And, and ask yourself, if you sit back and ask yourself, realistically, if Nebraska kept on running the football, do you think they would have found more success throughout that game? No, because it's third and nine, and here comes the pass rush. And that's where I'm at. So, yeah, I'd, I'd love to watch a Husker football team that's able to commit to the ground game and is able to get things going more in the second half, but I don't think anyone who was realistically watching that football game from an, an unbiased point of view thought that Nebraska was going to get that rushing game going at any point during that game. Uh, what, you do, what you do hear murmurs of is tuck and run, Casey, on some of those sacks where he's holding on to the football and he scrambled a little bit more or there was at least one quarterback design zone read for him. Um, let's see more quarterback run element. Maybe that helps the run game because people have been so keyed on Grant. Who's on the line with us? We got Dave on the line. Dave, thanks for calling, bud. Go ahead. You know, I, I think you guys kind of touched on it. You know, first off, I thought uh, I was surprised that the Huskers hung as well as they did because sometimes it's not the X's and O's, it's the Jimmy's and Joe's. Mm-hmm. And I don't care how good your coaches are, if you don't have guys that get to that next level like the NFL along the offensive line along the defensive line you're down your two starting middle linebackers there was a lot going against Nebraska Saturday 
for them to hang as well as they did, I, I was I, I'm pretty impressed. But again, it it comes down to the Jimmys and Joes, not the X's and O's. Well, and the one thing you have is is some of those dudes that can go make plays against somebody else's defense. You, you have that right now in Palmer. You have that right now in, in Casey to get the ball to him. You have Grant. You have Vokalek. I mean, you have some options. You just need to be able to provide a little bit of time. Now, don't kid yourself. The next five opponents will absolutely have 75 guys on Palmer, but that means some other guys are going to have to step up, be it a Vokalek, a Washington uh, see if you can't get Grant going in in the past game. Figure out a way to get some holes open to to be a better balanced offense. But yeah, uh, Purdue had zero answer, zero answer for Palmer, and it almost delivered a win. Yeah, and but like I say, until we get some offensive linemen that can play at the next level, uh, you know, like a like a Cam Jurgens. I wonder what this team would be like if Cam was still there this year. And we had Norelli that was mm-hmm. still able to play this year. The offensive line may be a totally different, and you know, and, and if Teddy's healthy, mm-hmm. how better this offensive line would be. But right now, let's face it: if you can't run the football in the Big Ten, you're not going to win a lot of football games. No, Amen, Dave. Thanks for the phone call, and, and that's what—that's the hill you're trying to climb right now. In, at Nebraska, I mean, it's it's very very dire, but that's the reality. I don't blame Cam for not wanting to stick around with this. Hell no. He made the uh, right. He made the right decision, absolutely. objectively speaking. Totally, he made the right decision. He's Nuri's, sitting behind one of the best in the NFL right now, learning, waiting for his time, and, and he's going to get his opportunity. And he, he's not having to deal with this dumpster fire of an of an offensive line right now. And, no, and, and t- one guy's not going to save your offensive line. Would it make it a little bit better? Sure, but. Until you have tackles that can protect Casey Thompson. I mean, Cam Jurgens is not going to be able to line up at tackle and protect Casey Thompson. No, and, you know, you, you wonder if maybe moving forward you see more of Banks. I know that, um, that Hunter had some struggles. Ben Hart's had some struggles, even played a little bit at guard. You had Lutowski in. Hickson's played well all season long. And at left guard, uh, you got Piper. And, you know, you made an interesting point about what Corcoran was kind of chiseled into, and that was a guard spot, right? Now you're asking him to play left tackle. And just too many times... He, he looks uncomfortable in space out there. Oh, you, you need to be comfortable in space as a tackle. Well, and you just saw some of the technique Purdue had where... They're great at ripping hands down and getting by. And taking advantage of an underset. Yeah. We'll uh, take more of your calls. Hail Varsity continues, presented by Currency. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. It's Hail Varsity Radio. We're streaming here on StreamYard, ESPN, Lincoln, Facebook, and Twitter. And the Hail Varsity Radio Twitter handle at HVarsity Radio can watch the show, can comment also on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence. Catch the podcast as well. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and the Hail Varsity YouTube channel. We'll talk to Charlie McBride here in about 20 minutes, get his take on Saturday and the rest of the season. What type of plan can you put in place? to fix what ails you. There's a lot to fix for Nebraska. Tough defensive performance. Got enough offensively. Still not perfect. The run game's been absent. You got feel for Anthony Grant, where he's been really big time 
a lot of this season, teams have adjusted and Nebraska's not won on the line of scrimmage. Real quick, a reminder to get buckled up. Hands on the wheel, eyes in mind. Straight ahead, the driver has one job. That's to drive a message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. You, you knew it was going to be tough early on with what Purdue was able to do, and that's get whatever they wanted on first down. And, and listen, I don't have a headset or a defensive coordinator card in my desk, right? There might be a bottle or two hiding in my desk, but it's not its not anything that uh, gives me the right to question or judge Bush or any other coordinators. But what can you do? Even if you're able to get some pressure on the interior or off the edge, Elijah, from a scheme standpoint, Brom's going to get that football out quick. He'll take four to six yards, and then you can't shut down the run game, and it's either third and two or first and ten. I mean, that, it was that cycle. It was rinse, repeat for the Nebraska defense. You don't have Reimer. Uh, Houseman, I thought, came in, did well, but still is is not at the level yet. Not his fault, just saying he's not he's not Reimer. He's not Henrich. Didn't see much of Kolarovic in the middle. Uh, you saw Vaugh. Right, but you just saw way thing that was maddening if you're a Nebraska fan, and and credit to Purdue because they're putting you in conflict. You're in space. Nebraska just didn't have a lot of dudes uh, around the ball. It wasn't three hats in open field. It was a one-on-one setting where more times than not there was a lot of yards after contact. Nebraska gave up defensively. And it's not that Nebraska didn't get off the field. There was a couple of series there in that third quarter they did. But uh, when Nebraska had a chance to tie or take the lead, you couldn't. You, you were held to three or there was a turnover, and it's back to margin of error. Not error, not to, to repeat ourselves, but that just kind of lays out against Purdue that's in the driver's seat along with Illinois for the West where they're at. Purdue's a, a vote away from being a top 25 team. They're good. They were a lot of people's preseason West favorites. So you didn't go up there and get blown out, but it's it's a tough defensive performance that Nebraska is going to have to go back to the lab, so to speak, and figure out. And, and you've gotten guys that are experienced. You don't have uh, a, a D-boogie anymore, right? Clogging an A and a B gap. You don't have Stilly anymore. What you do have is Ty Robinson, who's played a lot of football. Feast has come in and and worked his way up, right? You see, I might want to see some more Polar Bear. When he was in, he was able to get off his block and at least stymie some things. Uh, and then you also have your, your portal guys, right? You have Wynn and you have Drew. Both of those guys are, are seeing some action. But you're just not seeing splash plays from these new guys and and from an Oshan standpoint, I mean, Oshan had had a guard and a lead blocker coming at him on the edge every time, and then they'd bounce it out. I mean, to 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 what Purdue was running from a formation standpoint, they'd run a counter, they'd pin the edge, and there wasn't any help. There wasn't any help for the edge. Yeah, the, the defense was just outclassed in multiple phases of the of the of the game and 
whenever you have a guy like Aiden O'Connell, Aiden O'Connell was was phenomenal in that game on Saturday. I want to give full credit to him. When, He's when a walk-on. Yeah, and whenever you see the blitz coming, he did a great job. His timing was perfect. His ball placement was perfect, and he was getting out those those quick three, four-yard slant routes, those hitch routes. Whenever the blitz was coming, he got the ball out quick, and he got it out on time, and, and that was crucial for Purdue's offense. And then uh, they did what they want because Nebraska was respecting that passing game of, of Purdue. They did what they want running the football, and whenever an offense can run the ball at will and throw the ball at will, there's not much you're going to do defensively. And and it, the simple fact of the matter is is that Purdue is just a much better offense than, than Nebraska's defense. And, and we, we knew that coming into this football game, that yeah, Nebraska's defense is better with the effort, um, but there's still a lot that needs to be cleaned up. And, and where I look at this game really being turned was the fact that Nebraska was down both at starting linebackers. Hendricks and Reimer both out meant that uh, Purdue had a lot of space to operate over the middle of the field whenever they were throwing the football. Those, those, those linebackers did a, an admirable job, I'd say, coming up and filling the run. And, and while it was still a, a noticeable drop-off from Reimer and Hendricks, they did admirably. But where I really noticed it was, was those pass drops from the linebackers. Uh, Reimer and Henrich an experience were thing, a, a, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, a lot better at those sort of things than Malga Clements and Ernest Houseman. They've done it for a long time, but the simple fact of the matter is Purdue had what they wanted over the middle of the football field, and I don't want to dog the linebackers that, that came in, and I really do think they, they gave a lot of effort. Mm-hmm. They gave their best, but the simple simple way to put it is There's the fact that it wasn't good enough. There's a gap between one and two. There's a gap between one and two, and Purdue took full advantage of that gap. Well, it is a five-game season and, and and as we talked about last week, that this game did a lot in terms of what Nebraska's outlook for the season was. If they can beat Purdue, now you're set your sights on Big Ten West because they've lost that game. Now it's and now it's a, a fight, and it's a it's a hell of a scrap just to get it back to a to a, a six win season to get it to a bowl game. That that's the shift. That's, that's the shift. absolutely the shift from what happened Saturday night to your expectations, right? And I think I think there's a Mick, let me buy you around, man. If if he can get him to uh, to bowl eligibility with what they have to face, Illinois is ranked. Illinois got to buy. Teams are going to lose next week. Illinois is going to come in in the top fifteen, right? Uh, you have Michigan that is top four. They're money. They're great. They're in for four bills on Penn State, <laughs> and uh, looked really rugged in doing it. Iowa's a mess, but they're still incredible on defense. And they're, they're the next defense that I see that has a reasonable shot at stopping Trey Palmer with what they have in the secondary. I, that, that's a long ways off, but, man, that game could be a damn dogfight because Iowa's offense isn't great, but their defense is elite. No, absolutely elite. I mean, their, their defense feels like they're scoring as many points as their offense. And then you, you, you factor in Wisconsin, who... Man, that was a that was a deflator. If you're Wisconsin, because Sparty lost four in a row, and they were reeling. But man, that was a had to have for Mel Tucker and company. Him being a, a former Badger, he wanted that. They found a way to gut it out in overtime. Wisconsin is losing some of their high profile guys by the week. They lost a, a four or five star offensive lineman last week. That was a team disciplinary thing. Their top wideout, one of their top recruited wideouts, Gonzo, he left uh, over the weekend. So it's not been a great uh, honeymoon for Lenny as the interim there at Wisconsin. Mickey's at 2-2. Two and two. We'll see what work they do this week. Uh, Charlie McBride, 10 minutes away. Great to be with you on a Monday at Tale Varsity. We're presented by Currency. 
And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you one final time this hour. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Want to go see Nebraska volleyball? Want to go see Husker football? The Pig Farmer coming to town a week from Saturday. How about Red Zone tickets selling fun since 2001? Creighton basketball, man, those are going to be hot seats. This season, they come in number nine in the preseason college basketball poll. Dave Matthews in November. All the theater seats you want. And CWS, it's Red Zone tickets. They have uh, 100% guarantee on all orders. You'll receive authentic tickets and experiences you'll never forget. On top of that, they are local. They are great folks just in Omaha for you. And a local source you can talk to face-to-face. A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. And when it comes to that bucket list, you want to see a show, uh, an event, or Nebraska athletics, football, volleyball, hoops, all the goodies. Uh, Listen, those memories that will last a lifetime at your fingertips with Red Zone Tickets. Log on today, redzonetickets.com. We'll uh, dive into some more Comments uh, from the stream. Matt chimes in. Speaking of depth and dudes, do we have any idea how Nebraska is actually doing in the NIL space or a way to find out? Is that not something we should be um, keep quite uh, should be uh, kept quite uh, because it will attract players? Nebraska needs to put forth a solid try at least competing. Uh, with the Tennessees and A and M's when it comes to NIL. NIL. Listen, Nebraska will have no problem competition-wise, being in the fray, in the race to get players. But as we're seeing, there's there's some guys that have played or at least been in college football, just case in point. Listen, you get a kid from Bama, you get a kid from Tech, you get a kid from TCU that's been in all Big 12, and those guys are coming into a new situation trying to fit in to a locker room. Their effort's not been bad. But the, the impact hasn't taken over or won any games. There's been no Randy Gregory moments yet, right? Remember Randy Gregory in 2013 in Michigan? Willed that team to win along with Amir, right? That comes back to, to Dave's phone well, called Jimmy's and Joe's. The, the closest, I mean, Trey Palmer, very realistically. If Nebraska was going to that football game, you say that's the Trey Palmer game because he would have single-handedly willed Nebraska to victory. <laughs> it's, Trey, it's always going to be the Trey Palmer game. Instead of, how about Nebraska... He can one out in West Lafayette about the conversation is the legend will grow. You know, Nebraska had no business being within six. They covered the number. Daddy won some money. Okay, <laughs> But how about Trey Palmer? He kept him in it. He had his Troy Edwards game. Wasn't quite 458, but you get my point. So listen, it's Nebraska's uphill here, man. And, uh, a week to rest, to ice up, to get guys healthy. You get Reimer and Henrich back, different story, potentially. But you got to get more out of your line. And flipping it around, you can't let someone run 101 plays on you. You're not going to complain about answer scores, how it gets done. But from a time of possession standpoint, I mean, that's a it's a marathon. And the, the hard part in this discussion here about Nebraska is the fact that there isn't just one thing to clean up. There's a lot no, of things that need to be cleaned lot. up, and, and they're, they're not s- the type of things that get cleaned up quickly. And the, and it's a house of cards. 
quite frankly, because one stacks on top of the other. You get a better run game. You can take care of the football longer. Put a put a six-minute drive together like you did to snuff out Indiana. You were relegated to, Trey, run long and fast, brother. Uh, we'll throw a punt up for you. Hour two on the way with Charlie McBride. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back with you, Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio recapping Purdue, Nebraska. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We are presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. We welcome in Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride, a Monday with Charlie. Coach, how was the weekend? How you doing? Well, the weekend was, <laughs> was okay. I got uh, two of my kids came up to, from Arizona to help me move a lot of stuff around for winter. You know, yeah. put stuff away and the lifters. That's what they, you know, they had, they do the lifting. <laughs> the uh, the heavy lifters were in. That's good. Did you, did you give them some, some, some brats? Did you get wings? How did you Absolutely. take care of them? The wings are, well, the wings are cooking tonight and the brats cooked. Uh, we've had brats one night, steaks one night and wings tonight. Ooh. That's a win. I, I gave Elijah, we did uh, baby backs and short ribs, and, and we did, I did them well. Like, I, I'm good at two things. I'm good at talking, and I'm good at, I'm good at smoking. Uh, sm- <laughs> the other kind of smoking, Coach. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Speedy, though. I, I got home from the postgame show Saturday night, like 1230, and I'm, like, looking at the clock, and I'm like, well, I was scheduled to put a, a pork butt on the smoker here at about 4 in the morning, so it's ready for NFL games at noon, and it, it just jacked with my sleep schedule. I, I got maybe 30 minutes of sleep that <laughs> night, but the pork butt was fantastic. So I had back-to-back good. days of just phenomenal barbecue, but it's good. I, I think Charlie might have us one up. That sounds delicious. I think so. Delicious. I think the, the Coach McBride wings recipe is, I'll tell you, oh, but then I have to kill you. So, uh, Well, yeah. I got the two best cooks in the family came here, so. I feel safe. Well, there we go. There we go. I got to ask you, uh, how did uh, Saturday night treat you? How were you able to uh, navigate Purdue-Nebraska? <laughs> I don't know. I felt like I was seeing the same thing over again. I, the first half didn't excite me very much, you know, and um, I I just thought that maybe, you know, we could have played a little better in the first half, and, of course, I did that the week before, too, but mm-hmm. – uh, you know, I in, in a lot of respects, I was. You know, we had some some strange tackling. It, I don't know TV. I'm not. I'm not as good at looking at it, I guess, as I used to be. But 
we had you know we had some really outwardly fans mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what i mean or yeah. misses clean and uh, and again we had a couple of clean misses on the with the offensive line too that really hurt us mm-hmm. a lot and you know those those kind of things are you know i mean they're going to happen once in a while but that's all you want them to happen you know i mean there's you know, there's a time that you can't. I haven't seen a perfect game, so let me know when there is one. Mm-hmm. You know, or a kid that played perfect, and uh, I've had some close, but not that close. You know? Well, eighteen, eighteen missed tackles, coach. Well, I, you know, I, like I said, I, you know, some of them they they were overly ugly. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they were just flat flat misses and one of them was close up and he had his head down and I'm sure he had his eyes shut yeah. and he didn't even come close <laughs> so I mean there's there's some things that have to be definitely they'll see that on film and uh, you know to me it could lose a guy's position myself but uh, that's just the way it goes well and, and that's just it is Elijah and I spent the last hour talking and well into midnight talking about you know why Nebraska lost this game and they lost because of a couple of turnovers but they lost because of the line of scrimmage play they lost because they couldn't well, stop the run they lost because they couldn't protect the quarterback or at least get a run game developed mm-hmm. uh, let me let me just tell you this and I you know I have people you know they they always used to say, "Well, just hire a nice guy that you know that won't bother anybody and what about defensive line and everything's okay but I'll tell you what if you win in the trenches, you win, okay, and that's the name of the game. You can go anywhere you want to go if you win in the trenches, your football team's going to win, even if you're playing with your third team quarterback and and things like that. And you can make up for a lot of injuries and a lot of stuff if you have an offensive line that's going to keep the ball away from them and move the ball. And we've gone to a, a pro offense. And, you know, my wife said to me last night something that I didn't want to ever say, but, you know, if we had another quarterback that we had before um, on our team, uh, he'd have ripped them a new one. I mean, with his running ability, to, mm-hmm. and we're, we've got a pro quarterback now. That's uh, apparently when he does run, you saw what happened. He picked up what nine yards, ten yards. Yeah. Then never saw it happen again. So you know, those are the things that hurt when you, you know, have when your offensive line is not going, and you see some creases, and you know you can't throw it. You got to get going, and. Um, you know, I'm sure he does that. I'm I'm sure there is, but I'm sure there's some thoughts in the back of his head that he's not really looking for that. Mm-hmm. You know, he's keeping his eyes downfield and doing what he's taught, mm-hmm. which I think is fine. And then, but if you don't have the running game to go with it in the short yardage and things like that, then that doesn't make any difference. Troy McBride's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio, and. Charlie, let's let's dive into that offensive line play here really fast because they still seem like they're a long ways away from being uh, an offensive line that can go compete in the Big Ten West. Now, I want to get your your take on the job that Coach Donovan Ryle has done through six games here uh, in 2022. I mean, who's who's that now? Coach Ryle, the offensive line coach. 
I, I just want to get your, your take well, on I, the type of improvements I, that have have been going on this season. Well, I think the offensive line is probably a little bit better than they were against Northwestern. The, the results don't speak for themselves. Well, here, here's the thing that, yes, you really, in recruiting, you really have to be disciplined. And I know that uh, I think that Scott was a guy that wanted these huge guys and everything else, but we got a bunch of huge guys with their bellies hanging over their belts. And they, they're, they're not very good athletes. And, and if you're going to have a big guy, he better be really a good athlete and be able to run. And, uh, you know, I always said hey, all we need is a bunch of runners and hitters. Mm-hmm. And, and if you can get those kind of kids. And sometimes you're going to have to turn some people down, you know, because they can't run. And I never see uh, any 40 times, really. I never see any, any times at all come out of uh, the weight room uh, like they used to if we had a kid that was really special in the 40, you know, they'd, they'd advertise it and, you know, give the kids some credit for it. I don't even know. I've never really, I'm sure they run a 40 sometime, but you have to look at a 10, you have to look at a 20, you have to look at a 40 close for a lot of different positions. And so the running is a, is a huge, being able to run is a huge thing. And of course, if you're not a hitter, you know, uh, we've, you know, you know, we've had a lot of guys look like Tarzan and play like Jane, you know what I mean? It's just, uh, you know, you have to really be careful and, you know, character wise has to be really up there very, very high. And the worst thing is, is that, I have never seen a team win with their lips. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And when you look at the Big Ten, I've seen them all, and I watch them all, I mean, every day. Uh, I mean, I'm sitting here all day watching the Big Ten channel and watching some games. I never, and on all those good teams, I mean, when that ball's handed to the official, they, they don't act like it was the first time they ever did anything, and then turn around and miss a tackle or get beat deep or, you know, look like a fool. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, I think character-wise, you know, has a lot to do with your team, and and that goes with the fans, too. Charlie McBride's with us on Monday with Charlie. It's Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, let's talk about Mickey, and he's 2-2 two and two through four games, and kind of the, the tone from the fans that we hear from, they were happy with the effort. They love Mickey's leadership, and they they appreciate how the kids continue to fight, even though it's you know there's not it was far from a perfect game on the lines of scrimmage. They were still in it, and it looked really you know looked pretty bad uh, up until they got that three before half. They got some momentum, but you know what do you think of Mickey, and and what's the plan moving forward? With this bye week, coach, because you got you got kind of some murderers row lined up after yeah. the bye week. Well, it, we're good enough to to beat any one of them. I mean, I mean that. I mean all of them. I mean, we have the people that can do it if we play fundamentally correct. You know, if we really work at at, at work at doing stuff, I, I you know I don't know, but I think when any time you get a change like this, mm-hmm. Mickey, can, you know, you have to really bend over because he didn't recruit these kids. And, you know, a lot of them did, but they weren't told what to do and who to take and what and so forth. Right. 
and it, it's hard for them to get to know them. It's hard still. They're still learning about them. Mm-hmm. You know, they're still learning about, you know, they just walked in here and you they figure you have a regular coach has all spring with the freshmen. And when you see when you see a freshman who hasn't suited up before suiting up, you know that they've probably put a lot of evaluation in that guy, you know, and and they've recognized him right away uh, to to be able to suit. I think we said suited up two freshmen I think this last week, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, which which is you know a plus, and those things. Uh, but you have to make some decisions on positions, what you need. You don't need 45 wide receivers. And you have to, you know, sit down with your whole staff and find out what coach needs how many and what, and then see if that's possible, you know, to do. So uh, that that you just have to do it that way. I know it's sometimes you'd like to have, when you're a spread team, you like to have more receivers, which I think is right. I think you have to have somewhere around 15 guys, um, you know, in that area because you got what three positions you're filling. So anyway, and then the offensive line coach has not got the ability to to take the kind of kids that maybe he want he's used to or he wants. So he's coaching some guys that you don't know, and and you're making the decision, you know, on him when it may not be him at all. It may be the kind of people that he's coaching. And I like go back to the same thing. When I was a kid, when Woody Hayes told me, he said, you want to be a good coach? And I said, yes, sir. He said, get good players. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's the answer. I mean, uh, good players in college and pro ball are going to win for you and make you a good coach. And that, that's just the way it is. Well, Nebraska got a good one in Trey Palmer as he was able to keep Nebraska in it with 237 yards. Coach, before we let you go here about 90 seconds, did you watch much of Tennessee and Alabama? Yeah, I did. And what did you think of that one? I was really, really surprised at, at, at Tennessee. And I thought it was, a, you know, it, to play away from home again, you're talking about a tough deal. And, of course, you could see what was, you know, the place was wild. And, <laughs> yeah, it was. And <laughs> probably didn't hear, they probably didn't hear a thing. You know, I mean, their whole team, it, oh, they were probably going with a silent count and all kinds of things. But that's tough duty playing down there. And then they had a chance to win at the end, and that didn't happen. And we had the same thing, and it didn't happen. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's just, uh, you know, one one's a bad throw and one's a bad kick and one's, you know, all those things count. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they aren't the people that lost the game, believe me. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you know, I, I never take one thing, one kick or one throw or something like that is not a, a game loser and uh, because there's a lot of things that happened before that. Charlie McBride with us a Monday with Charlie on Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, enjoy the week. I do, have, I do have one quick thought that I want to get Coach's reaction to, though. When we're talking Tennessee-Bama, we got about a minute left here. Tennessee's 52 points are the most against a Nick Saban coach team since 1996 when Nebraska put up 55 on Michigan State when uh, Nick Saban was in charge. Uh, Coach, what's your reaction to that? Well, I know one thing. I know Nick, and I know it's 
those coaches are, it's not easy to live down there right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I would guess that you'd see some huge improvements in the next game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, St. Nick uh, has has erupted, I think, uh, the last couple of days' game plan, and they take on the Pirate and Mike Leach down in Tuscaloosa this weekend. But, Coach, enjoy those wings tonight, all right? I will. Thanks for having me, and I, I hope you all have a good week. Well, we will. You uh, take care, Coach. Uh, say hi to your kids, and we'll check in with you I'll Monday for Illinois, okay? Okay. Take care, Thank Coach. Thank uh-huh. Okay. Bye. There he is, Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride, a Monday with Charlie. We'll get that posted on ESPN Lincoln's Facebook and Twitter, the full interview, and have an excerpt uh, for sure on uh, on video for you with Coach McBride. And, yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't down with the first half, but it got better in the second half for Nebraska. Who, who was down with the first well, half? Well, we're sitting there watching that, and they're like, well, okay, it's 27-10. This thing could go really, really badly. Could go sideways. Instead, you go get three, and then you composed yourself to come out in the third quarter. So, could have been worse, but still very painful. Adrian Martinez, 2 a.m., now 9 a.m., has yet to throw a pick. That was duly noted by one Stuart Mandel. K-State's at TCU this weekend. Jay Moore, Blackshirt Jay next. All-State, two-year starter, and rush in for the Big Red and NFL vet. Is Dudeness or uh, Duder or uh, you know, El Duderino if you're not into the whole brevity thing? It's Blackshirt Jay Moore with Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio recapping Nebraska Purdue. Blackshirt Husker NFLer Jay Moore back with us and co host of Big Red Wrap Up. Jay Bird, uh, 600 yards. Was there enough Coors Light to, to drown in Saturday night? How you doing? I'm well. I'm, I'm doing okay for, for a Monday, and after a Husker loss, it's, uh, it's been a decent day so far. Yeah, that wasn't the best uh, defense performance. I, listen, I knew they were going to be able to uh, get some yards. I mean, that's a good offense that we faced on Saturday night. Brom and is is a good coordinator and a head coach, and you got Aiden O'Connell and then Charlie Jones. I mean, those guys have been in college since, like, the Nixon administration. So, you know, they've – They've, you know, they're six-year guys, so they've played a lot of football together, and that's that's something that you, it's it's tough to beat when you're when you have an old team and Purdue's definitely an older team. But that, the 600 yards, that's 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 tough to swallow. But the thing that was most difficult for me was just the way Purdue was able to run the football. I know they they did some some different things exotically. You kind of saw in the first play of the game the way they. They're in shotgun formation, gets you kind of spread out. And it's kind of what we saw against Georgia Southern as well. Teams are trying to – they get in obvious passing formations. They kind of spread you out. And they're able to run the ball just because you're, you just don't have you – know, your eyes are somewhere else. You're just not expecting it, right? I mean, as defensive players, you're, you're playing tendencies and, uh, and formations. And when you're in certain formations, you just know like, hey, you, you know, in your playbooks or – whatever they get nowadays is you have hit charts and out of certain formations, they run the ball X amount of time out of this formation. And my guess is Purdue kind of got some tendency breakers going and said, you know, out of this formation, maybe they run the ball 10% of the time. I don't know, 8%. And they, you know, they said, Hey, we're going to run the ball now. And you kind of saw that. And uh, we, we made some late 
game adjustments to that, but uh, it just wasn't good enough, you know, and that's the frustrating thing was Purdue is not a team that runs the ball consistently well. You know, they, they, they uh, throw it well, you know, they're, they take care of the football for the most part, but to have a freshman running back go for about 185 yards, and it did, obviously didn't help with Rivers being banged up and then Hendricks getting banged up uh, and out of the game in the, in the second half, I believe that happened. But, yeah, it's just, you know, I, I figured there would be some points scored. But their ability to run the football kind of, that, that was the most frustrating thing. You've got to be able to stop the run first and foremost in any defensive game plan. Then you let a team who really doesn't run it very well run the ball well. But, again, not completely surprised. I think as Nebraska's run defense is still dead last in the Big Ten. So, obviously, some things to get cleaned up and try to solidify something, you know, over bye week because uh, the next team they play here in two weeks runs the football very, very well, Illinois. So, they – they better uh, they better buckle up and get ready to go for that game. Yeah, Jay, in your opinion, was was that failure to stop the run? Was that uh, execution or was that game plan? And I guess what I'm asking is, was Nebraska trying to pick their poison and pick the run game as opposed to the pass game against Purdue, or is that just Purdue stepping up to the ball and, and out-efforting, out-physicaling Nebraska? I don't think it was an out-effort, out-physical thing. I know Nebraska did make miss some tackles, but they kind of, you know, that first play, they kind of run, they ran out of shotgun, and they ran it. I don't know, four or five, maybe six times in a game. They, you know, the 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 back, whoever the the place, the play side guard and tackle, or whoever offsets the side of the back and the shotgun, they actually pulled. They were a hard pull the other way, and so those defensive that defensive tackle or defensive end of that line or that that side of the tackle or that end of the line of scrimmage, he they just came screaming down hard. And they just—they had very—they played a very poor, I call it eye discipline. I mean, that's that's very—I I don't know if I know I, I haven't watched Purdue's game film or seen much of their uh, much of their games other than other than the Penn State game earlier this year. Where I don't know if that was a—they—they've done that in the past or what the situation was, but they just kind of got everyone—you know—that side of the ball or that side of the line of scrimmage going so hard one way, and it's, essentially it was a. A form of a counterplay, uh, if I could put it in more layman's terms, and uh, it just they just they just executed better. And then once you kind of get that going, and um, if they're able to run the ball out of a spread formation, as a lot of teams have been successful against us this year, that's tough to defend because you know you're getting as as we've kind of changed up our secondary, you know foundation since since Bill Bush has taken over. You know we're playing a little more man-to-man coverage. And so your eyes are always they're on their guy for the most part. So it's hard to get it's hard to get your safety. Not necessarily your safety is because we were playing a little man free. We, you know, Farmer was kind of playing over top most of the game. But it's hard to get your your corners, everyone else, to come fill in uh, in the run game when you're playing man to man defense for the most part because you know their eyes are, are kind of locked on their man. So they, I would say, it was not a physical thing. It was they kind of had a nice game plan, a scheme. That's what Jeff Brom does. I mean, that's. He is he is a really good play caller, and he just had a he kind of just had a better game plan. But with with uh, with all the you want to call in ex, you know the lack of execution defensively, you know Nebraska still had a chance to win that game in the fourth quarter. So there is there is some positive things to to take from this game. Jay, as as a former Nebraska guy, how do you feel about the team right now? Do you have a different feel and vibe? Or is it still frustration for you? I think there's a different vibe. I, you know, listen, it's, I've said it on this show and on Bigger Wrap Up, and I'll keep saying it until I'm blue in the face. I think we're finally, 
realizing now that it, it's not only in the Big Ten, it's just football in general. That's the way it'll be until, it, it, you know, you know, centuries later, if football still being played, is you have to be good up front on both sides of the ball. Nebraska was really good defensively last year because they were really good up front. You know, and Nebraska hasn't been really good up on the offensive line for many, many years now, and that's been half the that's been part of the reason why we've struggled so much offensively. Until that gets cleaned up, and I, I think that you know. It doesn't matter what head coach it is, if it's Mickey, if it's Lance Leifold, if it's Bill O'Brien, if it's Matt Campbell, you know, you go down the list, that has to get changed first. And I think, but that's just, that is a big change. You just, it's hard to make those changes in the middle of the year. Those changes come in spring ball. Those changes come in recruiting. Those changes come in the off season. Those changes come during training camp. So I think what, take now take that out, obviously we know the lack of O-line, D-line performance uh, seven games, I do like what he's able to do. I do like the attitude and the, the energy that he brings to the team. He, he, he brings a little more confidence. I like, I like his demeanor. You know, it's, it's the one-game scenario. He, he, he has a tough love about him. I, I like that. You know, he knows when to – you know, you guys have Coach McBride mm-hmm. on every Monday, and he's always says, you know, you don't know when to hug a guy or when to kick him in the rear end. And I think that's what Mickey does really, really well. And I think that's what makes a good football coach. So this is a hard, tough physical football. Uh, this is a hard game to play. And you just can't be, oh, ho, ho, oh, you know, um, shucks. I, I, I get T.O. was like that uh, very much so, but he also had Milt Tenerper and uh, Dan Young and – and, and um, and Charlie McBride to be that guy to kick people in the rear ends, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's what I like. You have to have that toughness. You have to have that mentality. He brings that. You know, you, you kind of the, the guys are right on their you know their tape or their wristbands that you know never out of the fight. I think that that there is something to that. I do like what he brings there. It's just he needs, and I make you be the first one to to admit it. Like you, you got to get if he would if he were to be the head coach. I mean, man, I am just trying to do everything I can to recruit O-line and D-line. I don't know what they have, you know, uh, committed right now or the, the roster-wise, but this thing needs a complete overhaul. And that comes from a, how you practice standpoint, how you're recruiting standpoint, uh, and so on and so forth, because it just hasn't been good enough. And if this team wants to get to where it needs to go, they have to get better up front. We had we had Jeremiah Searles, you know, friend of uh, Hell Varsity on with us, on Bigger Wrap-Up last Tuesday, and we asked him, because obviously he's a certified NFL agent now, we asked him, hey, who are the best NFL prospects currently on Nebraska's roster? And he said, Travis Vokalek, Garrett Nelson, O'Shawn Mathis. Not one, he said, it pains me because not they don't have one NFL lineman, or excuse me, they don't have one lineman on Nebraska's current roster who is a draftable prospect. Not one. Man. So until that happens... Until that happens, Nebraska is going to continue to struggle. They have to get when you're winning football games, you're you're getting wins. You have you have draftable NFL players. Not, Nebraska has those. It's just not in the right spots. So until the thing won't get better until we get better on the line of scrimmage, and that could be any head coach. Yeah, no, and I agree with you. You can't fast forward that though. I mean, you can go JUCO, you can go portal, and hope you you know Hunter Anthony's been serviceable but at least he's another option right at right tackle right uh that's 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 one example but 
<laughs> whoever it is, what do you do? I mean, you're, you're not going to be able to flip a switch, and it, it may take more than an offseason. It's likely going to take more than an offseason or a couple of seasons to get where you're at because you got to have a starting point, and then you have to you know, replenish the fluid, so to speak. you got to have somebody in the lab, or you got somebody that's competent and good enough to play and win your games. Yeah, it's not an easy fix. It's not. It's it's a development thing. It's a recruiting thing. But you can, I believe, get make some hay just in how you practice. Sure. I think Nebraska just hasn't practiced right the last. Well, do you call it since Bo was here? So you call that the last seven eight years with with Mike Riley and then when, when Scott, they just haven't practiced physically enough. I know when uh, we, granted we did have better prospects and we had NFL prospects when I was on the, uh, the team with Bill Callahan mm-hmm. now I know when we after Bill's first year we went five and six in 2004 going into spring ball his main thing was we are going to become a more physical football team and that's what we did we got our heads kicked in that spring ball we got our heads kicked in in training camp we flat out got after we're talking old school Oklahoma drill we're scrimmaging one-on-ones in the middle of practice. Like, it is – and we got better. I became better. I became a better football player. I went from a, you know, a guy that started six games to obviously starting his, his junior year and became a pro prospect. Like, it's, it, was, it's, it was a grind. It was not fun, but it made you better. It made me better, made our team better. We're able to finally get going with what you want to get done. So just you just have to fully commit to it. You know, it, it's hard to do it. You, you did things one way, and all of a sudden, like, like when I said previously, it's hard to implement that in the middle of the year. It's just it, you can try to do it, but you also you, you have to be careful though because you still have games to play. It's obviously real, a lot easier to implement things in spring ball when you only practice them three, four times a week for a month. And if someone gets bit, dinged up, so be it. Next man up, no games to play. You do have to. You have, there is some level concern. You got to take care of your guys. And to get them ready to play, but you know this this is another week coming off a loss. Hey guys, let's let's get our couple days off. Let's get healed up. But guess what? We are getting right back on the on the saddle, and we're getting we're going good on good for another three or four days. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. Ten issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Jay Moore is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio talking Nebraska, Purdue, the upcoming bye week and what's still to come on Nebraska's schedule. And, and Jay, as you look at this bye week, you got into it just a little bit, but what things did you see against Purdue that you think can realistically be cleaned up within the bye week? We, we saw a new team, it felt like, from Nebraska come out and, and take on Indiana coming out of their bye week. felt like they got some things cleaned up during that bye, and now we, we get into the second bye week. What things realistically do you think can be cleaned up in a week and can be looking better by the time Illinois comes to town? Yeah, it's just, it comes up front. Obviously, you you got to keep continuing to do the things that you've done well. Essentially, it's just Casey Thompson to, to Trey Palmer. I mean, that's been 
that's been what seventy five percent of the offense. Obviously, Anthony Grant's been really consistent in providing you know some sort of run game, even though the offensive line it struggles uh, heavily at times. But it's it's continuing to practice good on good, coach the techniques, coach what you're looking for. Maybe maybe you can make some tweaks here and there with the five guys you're playing up front. Or maybe you're like, you know what, this is this is our five that we played against Purdue. This is our best five we got. Um, and, and then you just commit to that and develop those guys and, and try to get something accomplished in a matter of, you know, 10, 10 to 11 days before you play at Illinois. You know, that's what you're realistically in time frame. That's where you have the time to get better. So, and again, on the other side, you got to get guys healthy. you got to get Reimers healthy. I don't know what the status of Henrich uh, is. But you get those guys healthy, get the defensive line, just somehow creating a little more heat on the quarterback if they can, uh, just sure up that run game. That's that's the biggest thing because Illinois is going to come in here and is just going to try to run it down our throats, and that's what they do really well. I mean, they're already, uh, I think they're, what, 19 or 20th now in the nation, so they're getting better. Bielema's getting them better. But, again, it's just somehow cleaning things up up front on both sides of the ball, offensive line, defensive line, like we already been talking about a bunch and then finding what you're knowing and continue to do what you do well and just end up rep that practice that and if you can just get a little better you know a fraction better at what you've been doing well and just get a little more better at those other things you're struggling at maybe you can find three more wins of these next five jay before we say goodbye nfl thoughts you know there's been a just a, a slew of of bad Thursday night games. Your Sunday night <laughs> games have been pretty decent. Monday nights have been all right. But what's your take, man? You were in the league for a number of years, and why do you think the uh, the product is so hit or miss? I mean, you've you've seen a, look at look at Brady losing his mind yesterday, right? I mean, the, they shouldn't go lose to Trubisky on the road. It, it, it's Pittsburgh. You can win by one, but you don't lose by two. That's one case in point. But you just had a lot of a lot of bad football games. For every Chiefs Bills game you get, you have two or three duds. Yeah, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, obviously the Thursday night games are always going to be a struggle, just because you get guys coming up for a short week. Mm-hmm. Play Sunday night, or you play Sunday. You come in Monday. You know you're you're trying to get some sort of rest and recovery. You're practicing Tuesday, and then if you're traveling, you're traveling Wednesday. So essentially, you're getting one day of practice. To throw in a game plan, and then your your guys are banged up. And also, people forget. I mean, you're only suiting up 46 guys on game day. You have 53 man rosters, but only 46 of them suit up. Mm. So that you, you're a limited amount of guys. You know, then you're following waiver wires, picking up guys, guys on practice squad, bringing them in. So it just becomes tough, and that's just where the teams, you know, the really good teams can separate themselves. They can, you know, with who they have on the rosters, you know, special teams can make make a huge, uh, um, can uh, make a can make or break it, you know, a, a game for a team, you know, per se. So it's the Thursday night games. I just think, I mean, they're never they're not going away. They're just always going to be a dud in my opinion. They're going to be low scoring. If I was a you know bet man and I am, I mean, it's just like <laughs> bet the unders every time on Thursday night, uh, you know, and and. Who's ever you know those point spreads? Don't even worry about those. You just I just always take the unders. But it's, you just kind of you see who what it is, and you're kind of you know I think the limited off season now with the NFL. I think some teams are still struggling. You know you, you see teams finally kind of getting a rhythm of things. The Bengals are kind of getting going. Obviously the Eagles are, are really really good. The Cowboys have a phenomenal defense. 
you know, the Buccaneers are still pretty good, even though they're, they have their struggles. But, you know, I think the, on the Buccaneers' side, you know, you, just not having Gronk available for Brady, that's been a, that's been a very – that's been a very comfortable guy for for Brady to throw to for many many years, and now he's not involved in that offense. So you see the struggles there. And but yeah, it's just it's hard, man. Limited limited rosters, injuries, just the game in general. It's tough. It's 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 hard to to uh, to get good games every week. You know, that's just kind of my synopsis of it all in, in about two minutes. Josh Allen, Buffalo. They uh, obviously are they the team to beat right now for you. Yeah, they look pretty hard good. They're, that was good. they're just they're loaded, man. They, he's so good, and the element of the QB run game with him is still, still you know, surprising how he's able to stay healthy uh, doing that. Knock on wood, and their defense is incredible. Von Miller, you know, come off the edge, and you know, it's just going to be you know, AFCs. It looks like it'll just be the Chiefs and and Bills again. You know, whether that Super Bowl will go through there. You know, we'll see what Cincinnati is able to do if they're able to get together. But obviously, they had a nice win yesterday in uh, in New Orleans. Then you get you look at the NFC, and obviously, the Eagles are they look like the best team right now. You know, if the Cowboys can get some things figured out offensively, get Dak back, I think week seven potentially. That defense is so good. So I think the Cowboys will be there all year with that defense. You know, and then it's oh gosh, you know, the Niners potentially, but they just lost the Falcons. You know, so it, that, that's. The NFC is a little, little more fuzzier to me, but obviously the Eagles. You know, it could be a, you know, an Eagles Bills type, you know, Super Bowl. Which, gosh, that'd be kind of cool. I don't, know if, I don't know if that's ever happened before. You know, you get two teams from the Northeast and you know one team from the AFC East and one team from the NFC East to play. But those, those two teams right now, are, I think, are the, are the best right now in NFL. If uh, Trev rolled up on Zach Taylor with a blank check. <laughs> And I ask this, even though that Zach's done well, he's gone to a Super Bowl. But Cincinnati, let's just say they're thrifty. Mm-hmm. It, what, what do you think Zach can listen to that? Just an obscene offer to come back and coach in college. Yeah, I, I think he would listen. I think you'd have to listen, especially if you start nearing, you know, you, you, you get to – Seven, eight, nine, maybe even ten million dollars. Which Nebraska can completely afford that. I think you'd have to listen. It's just, it, it's just whether or not he wants to be back in the college game because the two games are so vastly different. Mm-hmm. The recruiting and Zach's such a low key, no drama guy. And in college football, you kind of have to be. I don't want to say flashy, but you kind of have to be in the face a lot. You have to you have to deal with drama because you're dealing with high school kids, you know, day and day or all the time recruiting. So I just don't know. Even if you know, we would offer him a, a something that double. I don't know what he's getting paid at Cincinnati right now, but if it would say it was double, if that's even, I mean, you can only spend so much money, right? Mm-hmm. And or so, if that would make it worthwhile to him to take on all those other risks and things that he may not want to deal with. Now you can go out and maybe get a staff that says, you know, similar to what you have in the NFL with a scouting, mm-hmm. you know, in your recruiting department to handle all that stuff. So it would be, it would be, I mean, obviously I would, I would love it. I mean, have a friend back in town and, and I know he would, he would get this thing back to where it needed to go. Just cause like he's, he's all football, man. He's not, he's, he's not, <laughs> he doesn't have many hobbies. He doesn't golf. He doesn't fish. He just likes to, you know, hang with his family. He's just a family man and, and you know he's he's not going to do a whole lot except for coach football and, and make the you know and, and get better doing that. So uh, if they if they did that, you know I'd be I'd be 
<laughs> I would be happy. It would be interesting to see if Zach would uh, entertain that offer. Had to throw out the question to a, to a roommate, you know. So, Jay Moore. <laughs> hey, all for it. <laughs> Jay Moore with us. Jay, we'll catch you Tuesday on Big Red Wrap-Up. Thanks for the time. Yeah, be good. Thanks, boys. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, big thanks to Charlie McBride, Jay Moore, this hour, and thanks to your input and reaction as we close the book on Purdue. We'll dive into midseason report card time. I hated that as a kid and even as a college student. But uh, we'll do our best grading as uh, we're into the second bye week. Nebraska has a five-game season left per Mickey And uh, we'll divvy out some grades tomorrow on the show. Matt Schick will join us from ESPNU. And, of course, the Schick and Nick podcast with her dad. He had a cool, really awesome sit-down interview with Mickey Joseph last week out of the Purdue game. So we'll talk to Schick on Nebraska, what's left to do this season, your level of optimism. And to put a bow on this, I think uh, the, the voices that are loudest right now say that, okay, you lost, but the fight will carry this team into the end of the season. That's the belief right now. There's enough fight and leadership from Mickey and crew that Nebraska will be in the majority of the game still on their schedule, uh, with the exception of Michigan. And the kids in the locker room down there, they're doing, you know, one B1 and O each week, so they're not worried or thinking about Michigan. Andy emails in Chris at HaleVarsity.com. And he's still optimistic. He says Nebraska goes 7-5. and five. Uh, Mick finds a way to get past Illinois, past the bye week by a touchdown. You lose at Michigan. Uh, you find a way to get Wisconsin. You beat Iowa. Pinstripe Bull. And he wants to go to New York for the new year. Hey, any bowl game against, is a win. Against, any bowl game for this year is a win. Against Carolina. He says Nebraska, North Carolina in the pinstripe bowl. I'm cheering for I'm cheering for a bowl game, but I'm cheering for Arizona. Cuz we can go. We could actually. Yeah, I got a place to stay. I also got a place to stay. Casa so. de Jomama. We wouldn't even have to like share. Well, you call Barney up and say, "Hey dude, <laughs> I got a, I got a couple of friends down in Phoenix." Okay, I thought okay. you were going to make a collect call to Barney and say, "Dude, can we stay in Scottsdale? Who is this? Prank caller?" Well, I'm sure we'd be living the life of luxury with with Barney. Speaking of the life of luxury, You'll never guess what I got installed at my house this weekend. Luxurious. Luxurious. Think luxury. Uh, Think European. Panini? I don't know. No. A bidet. No. Yes. You sick, sick monkey. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Oh, it's so good. It's it's cold. Oh, there, there's, I'm sure there's, it is. there's no water heater or anything. It's cold. It's jarring, Look but man, it's, it it's jarring. We end Purdue, Nebraska <laughs> with Guess what I got this weekend? I got a bidet. <laughs> it's efficient. It's it's. I mean, it's efficient. <laughs> ten, uh, I would say ten out of ten, but the coldness is it does throw you off a little bit. Nine out of ten. You got nowhere else. We're presented by currency. For hey, all we, can, your, we can go Broncos Chargers tonight. Your but I'd rather not. <laughs> your all equi- all your equipment financing needs go currency. Thank you, Elijah, for for that. <laughs> Vic says. Uh, 
You brought the bidet up months ago. Nice. Well, good. <laughs> Vic's, yeah. Um, listen, good for you. You need a little bit of a clean in after that. Mm-hmm. Defensively and offensively. Hey, I've never felt cleaner than when I used a bidet. Look at you getting hosed down. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, listeners. You you can go to Amsterdam and pay extra for that. Elijah's (laughs) like, nope. Just going to put it in. Keep my safe word fumble ruski to myself. All right, we're back at four tomorrow on Hale Varsity. Uh, That'll do it for Bidet Talk. Have a good night. A Huda Media Production.